It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and this week for show number 145. For the week of April 14th, 2016, we're going to a galaxy far, far away. We're going into the deep, dark corridors of the labyrinth. We may even be searching for a dark crystal and maybe be visited by a duck that's not Donald because this week for show number 145, we're welcoming none other than animatronic and puppeteer legend, Tim Rose here at the show. Now, Tim Rose has been a part of many classics that have been passed on to generations. You may know him as the puppeteer and animatronic behind Admiral Akbar, Salacious Crumb, and many other Star Wars characters. Hoggle from the Labyrinth films, The Dark Crystal, The Great Muppet Caper, Muppet Christmas Carol, Dinosaurs the Television Series, Howard the Duck, and so much more. And Tim is going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. From his entire career, how he got started into puppeteering and animatronics, his favorite films to work on, and just what does it mean to have the fans approach him about all these classics he's been a part of and what's coming up in the future. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team. That's right, they make the show magical for you, and we have the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2 with our very own Caitlin. We're going to dust off the books and find out what just happened this week in Disney history with Nathan. We're going to go deep into the vault with another Blu-ray and DVD you have to add to your collection with Jason. And let's not forget the Disney multimedia for your Android, your iPhones, your computers, your gaming systems, and more as we have Randy stopping in with Disney Multimedia. And we're going to take that trip down the Hollywood Walk, take that stroll with Cody, as he's going to take a deeper look at our very special guest here this week, legendary icon Tim Rose. There is tons of news hot off the D-Wire from the Disney Channel, the Jungle Book, Disney Junior, Goldie and Bear, The Muppets, Hollywood Studios, The Magic Kingdom, parades, travel, Disney Cruise Lines, and so much more. So before I officially kick off this week's show, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is proudly sponsored by Mickey'sTravel.com. Now, Mickey's Travel is a 100% free, no-fee agency. They're going to help you plan, book, and prepare and make it the most magical vacation that you could possibly have for your family, your friends, and your loved ones. From character dining, tickets, reservations, they are going to make the magic happen for you. And just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio, they're going to hook you up. Yes, from lanyards, autograph books, and so much more to add that little touch of magic just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio. So definitely check them out. Mickey'sTravel.com, knowledgeable experts, been in business since 1994. They're going to plan and book that trip for you and make it magical. So all of you has with that said, it's time to jump off into this week's show, into labyrinths, searching for crystals, hanging out with ducks, and even going to a galaxy far, far away. So let's officially kick off show number 145 for the week of April 14th, 2016. And I'll be right back, all of you heads. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie. 
heroes bold, there'll be comedy and a lot of fuss that ends for us real happily. We can watch it all develop, starring everybody. And me, we'll take the world and set it on its ear. Come on, join in, we're gonna start right here. <laughs> it's okay, I landed on my head. Thank you. See, in this film, me and Fozzie play crack investigative reporters for the Daily Chronicle. And Gonzo, he's our photographer. And it's gonna be terrific. Ah! Oh, boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Wow. Ah. There'll be crooks and cops. There'll be villainy. But with us on call, we'll fix it all real easily. Hey, a movie. Wow, it's gonna be terrific starring All we need, guys, is an exciting photo story. Kermit, Kermit! I'll take a picture of this chicken! Oh. Hold still. That's great, Gonzo! Yeah, smile, chicky babe! I guess we'll have to eat this boring oatmeal. It's a trap! Wow, Admiral Akbar! Wow, Admiral Akbar cereal! Colorful marshmallows! Imitation crab meat! Your tongues can't repel flavor of that magnitude! There's a prize in every box! Admiral Akbar cereal! Now with brine shrimp! Hi, it's Tim Rose here. I've been in such things as Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, uh, Return of the Jedi, Return to Oz... A lot of those old animatronic pictures from the 80s and early 90s. I'd just like to say that you are here listening to Disney On Demand, and I hope you're enjoying it. You remind me it's a babe. babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. Voodoo. You do. Do what? Remind me it's a babe. I saw my baby.
Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. 
It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 145 for the week of April 14th, 2016, as we're gearing up for the legendary puppeteer, animatronic maker, and more, yes, Tim Rose, is going to be stopping in here very shortly here at the show. You know him from Labyrinth, Admiral Akbar from Return of the Jedi, Salacious Crumb, also the Disney TV series Dinosaurs, Howard the Duck, The Dark Crystal, The Great Muppet Caper, and so much more. And Tim is going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things from his career, memories, and some of his favorite projects, and even meeting the fans. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team, like I said, so we have a ton of things on the horizon here this week. Lots of fun, lots of magic, and lots of behind-the-scenes magic. So before we jump into this week's show right away, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. DIZRadio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news feed, our lifetime of Disney Player, and more right there on the official website at DizRadio.com. DIZRadio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can join our Facebook DizWire Disney Discussion Group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand. Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky little show. And also, if you just can't wait, you got to have the show right there in your ears, on your iPad, ready to listen to right away. All you have to do is subscribe. Yes, subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get it on your Android, your iPhone, your tablet, your device, ready to listen to as soon as it gets released right there on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And as I already said, you can find all these links and more on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. So all VD heads, with that said, let's jump into the news hot off the D-Wire. And first and foremost, let's talk about the Disney Podcast Awards. Now, the Disney Podcast Awards is an all-new podcast award system solely for, yes, you guessed it, Disney Podcasts. Now, the nominations are going to be kicking off on June 1st, where you can nominate your podcast if you're a podcaster listening in. Also, if you just really enjoy a show, you can nominate it as well. The website is currently up at DisneyPodcastAwards.com, and there you can go ahead and start to explore. Now, it seems that many of the links are becoming more and more active each day, so definitely keep checking back. With rules, regulations, the esteemed panel of judges, there's a lot of judges that are going to be part of this, Disney celebrities prizes and so much more i am excited for this it's a way to honor such a niche industry if there's one area where podcasts are really thriving and where there's so many on one topic it's disney so what better way than to have the disney podcast awards the unofficial official disney podcast Awards system acknowledging everybody who brings the magic to all of your ears every single week i mean i know you're not just listening to us i know you love other disney shows out there This is a way to honor all of them and really have it just be magical and fun as part of the Disney community. So definitely check it out. Go back there daily as more things are going to be start getting revealed more and more every single day. But right now the site is up there and it's getting ready and nomination processes begin June 1st at DisneyPodcastAwards.com. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, drop them a line as well connect up and because there's a lot of sponsors to make that magic happen now moving along here let's get into some other news here and how about pizza 
Who doesn't love pizza? I mean, everybody loves it. Look at the Ninja Turtles. They live off of it. And how about a Hero's Welcome Pizza Hut giving Marvel fans the power to choose a side in New Marvel's Captain America Civil War promotion. Yes, Pizza Hut is joining forces with Marvel's Captain America Civil War to give pizza lovers the power to choose a side in what is destined to be one of the year's biggest battles in Captain America Civil War. Now, although the war may be on screen, Pizza Hut is putting an end to everyone at the dinner table battles with its $5 flavor menu. And with the addition of the all-new stuffed garlic knots, the flavor dinner menu has other ways that you want to say yes. You can choose your box. Yes, you can choose Captain America or Iron Man. It is that simple. All you have to do is say yes to your favorite in the Captain America battle. Now, as the press release has gone, the new Captain America movie is centered around the concept of picking sides, Iron Man versus Captain America. But at Pizza Hut, we know picking sides doesn't have to lead to an all-out battle, said Jared Drinkwater, Vice President of Marketing of Pizza Hut. With the $5 flavor menu, we're giving customers the power to choose at a price that allows them all their toppings and, of course, choose their box. Now, as part of this promotional partnership, Pizza and Marvel have developed a variety of different themed things for their, I guess, the website as well, the digital hub, and picking your side. So, how many of you are going to have this battle in your house? Captain America, Iron Man, Captain America, Iron Man. I gotta say, I myself, I'm a Captain America guy. Now, Drinkwater went on to say, being able to provide our customers with a unique content exclusively through our channels is one of the many exciting ways we're bringing this effort to life. From film, fantasy, and now pizza in your homes. So now you can go ahead, choose Captain America or Iron Man in the Pizza Hut Civil War promotion. Now, moving along here, let's get away from Civil War and Marvel, and how about we get into cruise in the world yes and cruise in the high seas and how about the disney cruise line unveiling its new itineraries for summer of 2017 in 2017 disney cruise line will sail on new itineraries and a new ports including first time visits to new destinations in alaska and europe now this summer disney cruise line also returns to norway the british isles the mediterranean the caribbean and the Bahamas. Now, bookings are open to the public beginning on April 14th this week today, and more details will be announced at DisneyCruise.com. Now, some of the new itineraries that are going to happen is the all-new Alaska Itinerary, the Icy Strike Point, and Hubbard Glacier. For the first time, Disney Cruise Line will take guests on Alaska's Icy Strike Point and the Hubbard Glacier. Now, these dramatic locations are part of a new nine-night itinerary on the Disney Wonder, departing from Vancouver, British Columbia on July 24th, 2017. It's going to set sail to a lot of great places all over Alaska, that picturesque, I guess, I, I can't even describe it. It is just so gorgeous and beautiful. Now, they're also going to have new Europe destinations in Amsterdam and Stonehenge. Now, for the first time as well, Disney Cruise Line is going to visit Amsterdam, the Netherlands, known for its elaborate canal system, tulip fields, windmills, and world-class museums housing the works of Rembrandt, Vermeer, and Van Gogh. On May 13, 2017, the Disney Magic embarks on a 15-night transatlantic crossing from Port Canaveral, Florida to Copenhagen with a stop in Amsterdam along the way. Now, this itinerary also includes a call on Portland, England, another first-time port for the Disney Cruise Line. Now, since we are talking about all these new adventures, there's also one more. How about the new Disney fantasy itineraries with the Southern Caribbean? 
that's one that has my eyes wide open. For the first time ever, the Disney Fantasy will set sail from Port Canaveral on longer itineraries with new 10 and 11 night cruises to the Southern Caribbean. On June 17, 2017, an all new 11 night itinerary is going to visit Aruba, Barbados, Martinique, St. Kitts, Tortula, as well as Disney's private island on Castaway Key. Now there's a lot more that is going to get released on these itineraries, many more things that you're going to be able to do when you stop at Port and many other places, but right now they're getting ready, so if you plan on taking a cruise, now's the time to really just start thinking about putting away those dollars and getting booked for 2017. You can stay tuned here at Diz Radio for more information about the Disney Cruise Lines. You can also visit DisneyCruise.com. Now, moving along here from cruises, let's go to a galaxy far, far away. And how fitting, since we have Tim Rose, who is the puppeteer and animatronic man behind Admiral Akbar. And how about Disney announcing Star Wars with a groundbreaking 360-degree view? Yes, the Star Wars land is officially broken ground this week. And the Walt Disney Company has been well underway on making room needed for its future Star Wars expansions at the Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resorts. But the company has now shared a look at the groundbreaking with some help from familiar friends from a galaxy far, far away. Now, the Disney Parks blog this week revealed a 360-degree photo peek into the construction of the new Star Wars land going on at Disneyland. Now, Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando is set to get much of the same treatment. Now, in all these new lands, guests will be transported to a never-before-seen planet inhabited by humanoids, droids, and many other of the Star Wars characters that we all know and love. Come on, I don't need to go into that with you. You already understand all that part. But now the Star Wars themed lands are going to be the largest ever single themed land expansions in the Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World history. Now the all new 360 degree view is gorgeous. Come on, it's exactly that, 360 degrees. You're right there, you can spin around and see exactly what's going on. Now of course, there's not too much going on. It's groundbreaking, it's leveling things, it's a bunch of bulldozers. But they're going to do everything they can to keep this excitement going because it, it's going to be a while before we actually see Star Wars fully realized. Now, moving to the small screen from being in a galaxy far away, how about the Radio Disney Music Awards? And how about Gwen Stefani getting honored at the Radio Disney Music Awards this year? Now, it has been announced this last week that Gwen Stefani, who we all know, the singer, the pop artist, the rock musician, we all know her from her No Doubt days, is also set to be recognized at the 2016 Radio Disney Music Awards. The Make Me Like You singer is taking home the Hero Award for having a positive impact on her fans and inspiring them to do good for the world. Now, the show is going to take place on April 30th at the Microsoft Theater in California, and it's also going to feature performances by the voice winner Jordan Smith, who is also singing a brand new song, Stand in Light. Now, it is going to be able to be ready for your viewing on May 1st at 7 p.m. on Disney Channel Eastern Standard Time, but Gwen Stefani, being that positive role model for many people out there, her fans, and so much more, is getting honored at the Radio Disney Music Awards. Now, so much can't be said for other Disney Channel stars, and uh, let's get into a little bit more of the, uh, I guess, the, the not-so-bright side of Disney news, and how about Debbie Ryan getting arrested for DUI? Yes, Debbie Ryan, the Disney star who we all know from Jesse, as well as Sweet Life on Deck and many others, was arrested for DUI after crashing her car. Now, the 22-year-old actress of Jesse was charged with a felony DUI after being pulled over in Los Angeles on 1st Street and La Brea Avenue, the LAPD said. Now, she was given a sobriety test when the cops arrived on the scene, reportedly blew a .11 during her breathalyzer test, which is just slightly over the legal limit of .08. Now, the authorities did lessen her charge 
to a misdemeanor since the injury was only minor. She was released on a $100,000 bail, but faces charges of driving under the influence and driving with an alcohol level of 0.08 or higher. Now, she did apologize and go on for her actions on Twitter on April 13th, this last Wednesday, and she had stated, Over the last few days, I have had a chance to think about my actions, and I wish I had used better judgment, Ryan wrote. I recognize that I am a role model and have always worked hard to set a good example for my millions of fans. I am so sorry to disappoint everyone. Well, whether that was promoted by her publicist or herself, at least she realizes she is a role model. I know many kids who always look up to her, and she was one of those Disney Channel stars that you really didn't see much of the bad things coming out of, so maybe it was just a one-time happening. Either way, it's been addressed, and hopefully we can still see more of her all over the Disney Channel. Now, moving into the big screen, let's get into the Jungle Book. And since we're on the roll of talking about things in 360, how about the Jungle Book and Disney creating innovative Facebook 360 videos? And these things are amazing. I gotta tell you, they are downright amazing. Now, a new interactive promotion for the Disney's Jungle Book live-action movie is letting fans step into Mowgli's shoes, if he had shoes, of course. Now, Disney created two Facebook 360 video experiences for this weekend's sure-to-be-a-blockbuster, the Jungle Book. One is going to put viewers into the movie, and the first video lets fans see the jungle through Mowgli's eyes as a man cub as he chats with King Louie, Baloo, and others. Now, users can click and drag to get different views of the scene, whether it's face to face with the giant orangutan or seeing other animals fill the cave. Now, the second video sits down with director John Favreau, as well as Mowgli, Bagheera, Akila, and many of the others, as well as the Nerdist. Chris Hardwick. Now, these videos are fantastic because you can drag, spin around, almost like you're looking around the room through Mowgli's eyes. These are fan. If you haven't seen them, look them up. These are fantastic videos and they're definitely fun ones to really check out. I mean, I, I really was amazed when I was playing around with them. So all of you Disney fans, with that, I'm just going to press on here with the show. There was a couple of other things I wanted to talk about, like Marvel action figures and some other things. But as always, I'm going to have more news later on in the show. And if you always want to find out more news, just go to our website at DizRadio.com. So we have more things on the horizon. We have latest coming from the Walt Disney World Resort with Caitlin with WDWN2. We also have the Hollywood Walk with Cody. We're going to dust off those books with This Week in Disney History with Nathan. We also have the latest Blu-ray and DVD you want to add to your collection with Jason. And let's not forget the Disney Multimedia with Randy. So there's a lot of things on the horizon, all as we gear up for the talented, the iconic, the legendary Tim Rose stopping in here as well. So before I release the reins to the D-Team, I do want to say that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is a 100% no-fee free travel agency. They've been in business since 1994. They're knowledgeable, they're experts, and they're going to help you plan and book your Walt Disney World vacation. Make it memorable from character dining experiences, your resort reservations, getting you there, your tickets, and making the most of your magical time at the Walt Disney World Resort. They're going to help you, and it's free, no fee. And best of all, all you have to do is mention Diz Radio, and they're going to give you autograph books, lanyards, and all kinds of goodies. It is that easy. Mention Diz Radio. Get extra goodies for your vacation as well. So definitely check them out. Mickey'sTravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all VD heads, with that said, I'm going to release the reins to the D-Team. We're going to continue on here with show number 145 for the week of April 14th, 2016. And take it away, team. Return for the climactic clash between the forces of good and evil. 
return to a galaxy far, far away. Return of the Jedi. The next chapter in the continuing Star Wars saga. The battle for freedom rages on. The heart of a hero. The courage of a rebel. The strength of a leader. The loyalty of comrades. The power of the Force. The cunning of the enemy. A destiny revealed. Is Darth Vader my father? A legend fulfilled. An epic of heroes villains, and aliens from a thousand worlds. It's a trap! The quest continues. The circle closes. The saga lives on. Return of the Jedi begins May 25th at a theater in your galaxy. Now is the time, now is the best time, now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize, live every minute, open your eyes and watch how you win it. Yesterday's memories may sparkle and gleam, tomorrow is still but a dream. Right here and now, you've got it made. The world's forward marching and you're in the parade. Now is the time, now is the best time. Be it a time of joy or strife. There's so much to cheer for. Be glad you're here for it's the best time of your life. Now is the time, now is the best time. Now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize, live every minute Open your eyes and watch how you win it Yesterday's memories may sparkle and gleam Tomorrow is still but a dream Right here and now, you've got it made The world's forward marching and you're in the parade Now is the time now is the best time, be it a time of joy or strife. There's so much to cheer for, be glad you're here for it's the best time of your life. Now is the time, now is the best time, now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize, live every minute. Open your eyes and watch how you win it. Yesterday's memories may sparkle and gleam. Tomorrow is still but a dream. Right here and now, you've got it made. The world's forward marching and you're in the parade. Now is the time, now is the best time. Be it a time of joy or strife. 
There's so much to cheer for Be glad you're here for It's the best time of your life Hey, I'm Jonas Suotamo. I play Chewbacca alongside Peter Mayhew in Star Wars The Force Awakens, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. All right, LVD head. so I am here stepping in for Aaron here this week. That's right, the intro, normally I want to know, you have the questions and he has the answers, and normally Aaron would stop in and answer all these questions for you. Aaron has been a part of the team for many years now, tried and true, part of the team, part of our family, and us here at Diz Radio are one big family. We are here for each other, we are definitely one large family, extended family, and take care of each other. And this past week, Aaron had lost a true family member. He lost his father. Now, losing somebody is never easy. It's never something that you can take lightly. And of course, when it's a father, a parent, somebody that nurtured you and helped make you the man you are or the woman you are or, you know, that that family member that hugged you and kissed you goodnight and so much more. And with that, we wanted to give a little bit of a tribute to our D-team here, Aaron, and his father. Because if there's one thing that Aaron had told me, he said that his father wanted everyone to celebrate. He didn't want everyone to bow their heads and, you know, be upset or cry. He wanted them to celebrate once he passed on into that great circle of life. So he's looking on down, much like Mufasa looking down on Simba. He wanted everyone to celebrate. And he also was a fan of Irish. Yes, Irish music, Irish bands, being an Irish man. It's just one of those things that he truly loved. But before I move into a little bit of a tribute here for Aaron from the D-Team, because our hearts truly do go out to you in this quieter moments here in the show, I want to leave something for you, Aaron, and any of you D-Heads who have lost somebody in your life. Grief feels like an ocean, vast, wide, and deep. It ebbs and flows throughout the day, then rocks me off to sleep. On some days it will rage within, creating waves so high that I can only hold on tight and struggle not to cry. On other days, sweet memories will calm the waves I ride. Then once again, grief's ocean swells, and from it, I can't hide. I know that I must stay afloat until my time is through and ride these waves to heaven's shore where I'll be met by you. So Aaron, from the D-Team, all of our listeners out there, our hearts go out to you. Go out to the loss in your family. And one day, your father... You're going to meet up with him once again, and he's looking down on you. Now, instead of being somber, let's pick up the pace here, because as you said, your father wanted a celebration. Well, with that, we have a song that's going to pick up the pace, have that celebration like your father wanted, and well, 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 I'll always be Irish. God bless Aaron. The night before I sailed away, they come from far and near. All me friends and all me kin to shed a pot and tear. We knew we'd never meet again And yet was clear to see I'd always be a part of them And them a part of me I'll always be Irish Cause that's how I began I'll always be Irish I'll say that to any man And when I'm an American I'll be a good one too I'll be truly as American As Irish to you 
he would be truly as American as Irish too. Ask for Irish stew in Ireland and see what you get. In Ireland, all the stew's Irish. I'll always be Irish, a fact I'll not deny. I'll always be Irish and I'll hold me head up high. I'll wear the green some patties day, and yet for all of that, I'll be truly as American as Casey at the bat. He'll be truly as American as Casey at the bat. Days and ate bread and cheese in sidewalk cafes, lived in a garret, wore a beret, what would I be? An Irish right? If I wanted to bet and bought me a yak and travel Siberia, riding his back, the peasants would point at me, what would they say? Oh, young a wicky ticky, oh, young a wang tang, oh, young a wicky ticky Irishman? Right! Right. What if I went to Spain and grew a moustache, strummed the guitar and wore me a sash, became a torero and fought me a bull? <laughs> After the war, me both ears and the tail, oh, what would they say? Irish. I shouted good and loud. Irish. Of his heritage, he's proud. I'm proud of Irish Blarney and Irish sentiment. And I'll bet someday we get an Irish president. And I'll bet someday we get an Irish president. In their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that piece. Well, Hoggle is certainly the most complicated puppet creature we've ever built. It's the most technically uh, elaborate face because we've we've put about 18 motors in there to control all the different portions of the face with these 18 motors and four people operating that from outside by radio control. It creates enormous problems in just trying to figure out how to make that into one expression. The Hoggle crew are five performers, five performers, one of which is really an actress, Sherry. She's inside the costume. She does the whole, all the body movement and her head is inside the head. However, the jaw is not connected to her jaw. Nothing that the face is doing has any connection with what she's doing with her face. The other four members of the crew are all radio crew, myself included. A head doesn't just speak, it, it moves while it speaks. And, and the body has to have the right attitude, the right breathing, and the right you know stance, body position, and stuff like that. So it was, it was very important to really act Hoggle out and, and know what transitions were going on. Um, just as much as the people doing the head. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. 
If you love to shop till you drop, get ready for even more stores opening at Disney Springs. The Town Center area is the newest neighborhood of Disney Springs with locations opening around May 15th and throughout the summer months. In fact, by July 1st, most of them will be open along with new food and beverage offerings. From Alex and Annie and Anthropology to Lily Pulitzer, Kate Spade, New York, Sperry, and Tommy Bahama, the list of stores is vast. Just check out the Disney Parks blog for the full alphabetical listing. In other merchandise news, there are some adorable Disney Parks attractions themed Tsum Tsums being released this week. Included is an entire Haunted Mansion group with the Hitchhiking Ghosts, Madame Leota, the Bride, and a Ghost Hostess. And on top of that, we'll be seeing three more released this summer, including a Mr. Toad, and it's a small world hippo, and a cute little carousel horse. These are some of the cutest I've seen, and I can't wait to add them to my collection. Due to some unforeseen bumps in the road, it looks like the premiere of Animal Kingdom's upcoming nighttime spectacular has been pushed back. Originally, they had announced its premiere for April 22nd, but now they're planning to make a new premiere announcement sometime around mid to late May. All we can do is hope that they get the kinks worked out quickly so that we can enjoy the show earlier in the summer rather than later. Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde from Zootopia are officially a part of the Move It, Shake It, Dance It, Play It fun now in the Magic Kingdom. So make sure not to miss it. What could be better than dancing with your favorite characters in front of the castle? Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly.
Hi heads welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I am Nathan, ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. So as always, branching off that, let's begin. Kicking off this week, let's begin with a throwback to the very beginning in This Week in Dis Radio History with show number one, the original one and only featuring Margaret Carey, who was the original Tinkerbell and used as a reference in creating the iconic Pixie Hollow native we all know today. Jump back with us today to our roots and check it out. Now, starting out this week in Disney history, we're going to go to 1927, when Walt Disney delivered the first Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoon, Poor Papa, to distributor Charles Mintz in New York. Now, as with most stories about Walt, you would expect this one absolutely perfect for him with a few little hiccups here and there. The film was produced in 1927, but took a year to actually end up seeing the public. It was never put onto DVD or VHS, but survives with the Disney Company today on an original 35mm short and a few other copies that were sold in auction in the 2000s. In 1945, 18-year-old U.S. soldier Robert Sherman is wounded in the knee while serving in Europe during World War II. Just a few weeks earlier, he had led half a squad of men into a show concentration camp, the first Allied troops to enter the camp after being evacuated by fleeing German military. The injury to his knee will force Sherman to unfortunately have to walk with a cane for the rest of his life. In 1964, Walt Disney arrives in New York City to oversee his four exhibits at the upcoming World's Fair. Disney provided four exhibits for the fair, which were sponsored by Ford, General Electric, the State of Illinois, and Pepsi-Cola. The four exhibits developed by Disney were Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln for the State of Illinois, The Carousel of Progress for General Electric, Magic Skyway for Ford, and It's a Small World for Pepsi-Cola to salute and benefit UNICEF. The Disney attractions were some of the most popular exhibits of the fair, and 135,000 visitors per day approximately visited Disney's four exhibits during this first season alone. In 1982, 
Calling Dr. Herbie, the fifth and final episode of the television sitcom Herbie the Love Bug, airs. In 1987, The Wonderful World of Disney airs Bride of Boogity, about a family of practical jokers who are haunted by a ghost. We actually had the honor of having two guests in the past on our show, which were part of the Boogity series, so please jump into our podcast archives and check out show number 45, which features Richard Mazur, who played Carlton Davis in both films, and show number 121, which features Oz Scott, the director of both films. In 1994 at Epcot, the Stargate Fast Food Facility, which had been open since 1982, officially closes. In 1996, Disney's claymation and live-action movie, James and the Giant Peach, is released in the United States. In 1999, the Disney Channel original movie, Can of Worms, premieres, which is about a teen who is visited by aliens after he broadcasts a message into space. In 2001, the official groundbreaking ceremony for Walt Disney's original Laugh-O-Gram Studio building in downtown Kansas City, Missouri takes place. The two-story brick building was the site of Disney's first film studio, Laugh-O-Gram, which he incorporated in 1922, and is currently in the process still of being preserved by fans and Disney lovers alike for the future. In 2003, the Disneyland Resort unveils two new attractions. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and Playhouse Disney live on stage. In 2006, Winnie the Pooh celebrated his 80th birthday by receiving the 2,308th star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in California. And also in 2006, Building a Thrill Ride, Expedition Everest, airs on the Science Channel. This special gives an in-depth look behind the scenes at Animal Kingdom's newest attraction, Expedition Everest. In 2008, the second new Mark 7 monorail blue is delivered to Disneyland. In 2009, Walt Disney Pictures releases the very first movie my daughter ever saw in theaters, Hannah Montana, the movie starring Miley Cyrus. In 2010, the Disney Store introduces a new line of eco-friendly products in celebration of the upcoming 40th anniversary of Earth Day. In 2011, the Disney Channel original movie, Lemonade Mouth premieres about five high school teens who meet in detention and ultimately form a band to overcome the struggles of high school. And 2015, The Boathouse, great food, waterfront dining, and dream boats located in downtown Disney at Walt Disney World Resort officially opens its doors for business. And we're going to end this week in Disney history D-heads with a lot of birthdays again around the Disney company. We're going to start him out this week with actor Harry Morgan, who you know from many roles such as The Barefoot Executive, both Apple Dumpling Gang movies, and most importantly, Colonel Sherman T. Potter of MASH fame. Moving on to Jane Keene of Miss Taylor fame in 1977's Pete's Dragon, Mandy Moore of Rapunzel fame, Kenneth Mars, who voiced King Triton in The Little Mermaid and The Little Mermaid 2, is born in Chicago, Illinois, and finishing this week with Brad Garrett, who played in many Disney Pixar roles such as Ratatouille, Finding Nemo, and Tangled, as well as playing Robert on Everybody Loves Raymond. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. I hope you enjoyed and learned something new maybe you didn't know. Feel free, as always, to email me at Nathan at DizRadio.com. I'd love to hear from you, get some emails, get some feedback. As always, guys, have a great week and see you real soon. Oh, there's no fire in the fireplace, there's no carpet on the floor. Don't try to order dinner, there's no kitchen anymore. But if the road been kind of bumpy and you need to rest a spell, well, welcome home to Happiness Hotel. 
What are our choices? A. Credit card. B. Cash. C. Sneak out in the middle of the night. We'll take C. Very popular choice. If you got luggage, keep it handy. But you're running out of luck. Cause the bellhop's seat to organize and the elevator stuck. So if you don't mind friendly animals and can learn to stand the smell, well, welcome home to Happiness Hotel. those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Alright all you D-heads, it's that time again. Time for my personal favorite part of this show. 
Let's get ready for the Hollywood Walk, where we get to know this week's guest just a little bit better. As you may have heard, we have none other than Tim Rose, Admiral Akbar, here with us today. Very excited about this one, so let's just dive right on in and see what else we can find out about Tim Rose. First of all, born July 17, 1956, from Pittsfield, Illinois. I do a lot of traveling for my work, seeing as I am a semi-truck driver, and I do go through Illinois a lot. So I'm going to have to keep my eyes open to see where I can find Pittsfield, Illinois, because that would be kind of neat to see where he kind of was born and grew up. As mentioned, he's best known for playing the role of Admiral Akbar, not the voice part, but the puppeteering part of it, which really just brings the characters to life in each movie and everything that he's done. Puppeteering is just a neat way to bring things come to life that we're not used to seeing. Case in point, Admiral Akbar. Kind of looks like a fish, but he's got arms. Explain that one. Only Tim Rose can bring him to life the way he does in Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. He also did Psy Snoodles and Salicious Crumb in the film. Salicious Crumb's probably more of the popular ones as well. He was the lizard rat type looking thing that's hanging out with Jabba the Hutt throughout that whole entire movie with the really high pitched laugh that you can't help but chuckle at or get annoyed with. It kind of depends on the person, I suppose. Um, but he's also done things including The Dark Crystal and Howard the Duck and many more as we will kind of continue on here. He also did helped with the puppeteering and the character for TikTok in Disney's Return to Oz. And I tell you what, this movie just keeps popping up. Last week it popped up with our special guest Tammy Stronach, the childlike empress from The NeverEnding Story, and here we are again. We just cannot get rid of this movie now, it seems. He also did Made the Puppets, Cosmo, and Dibs for the BBC children's series You and Me. They debuted on that show in 1983. And kind of going back to his roots, he discovered puppetry while he was attending the university in New York studying acting and directing. His first paid gig, or professional performance, was for the student union. He had built a walk-around bag booth and performed the true story of Prince George and the dragon and he was paid the princely sum of $15 for the entire show and he still has the receipt to this day that was given to him for his first paycheck which you know that's a great way to stay motivated and keep kind of keep going and also again don't forget your roots don't forget where you came from so good for him for that he started to work for Jim Henson he had to take a big pay cut he was making more money just by people throwing money into his head, but he wanted to learn how you became a millionaire doing puppets. And I can't think of anyone better to learn from than Jim Henson himself. And his job with Jim Henson was to design what would eventually be called animatronics for the Muppet movies. Eventually, Lucas and Henson kind of had a friendly rivalry going on. Lucas liked what Henson was doing, and he asked to borrow Tim Rose for Return of the Jedi. So that's kind of how he got thrown into that. He wasn't given any of the copy of the script for reasons of secrecy, but he was just kind of curious as to who Adam Akbar was. He was told by one of the producers on set he's just another background character that appears later in the movie. So he just asked if he could perform him since he was familiar with his controls. And the producer said sure, why not? So it was as simple as that. No big auditioning, no nothing. So he just kind of got thrown into it and created one of the one of the most memorable characters in Return of the Jedi. For sure, I mean, everybody knows Admiral Akbar, Even if they don't know his name, if you say the guy that looks like a fish, people know who you're talking about because that's how I always remembered him when I was growing up as a kid was just the one that looks like a fish and can talk so he's had some favorites that he's had throughout his career one of his more proud works that he's done he was very proud of his work on Howard the Duck him and Tad Tanofsky were brought in three weeks before the start of filming just to fix things and it was kind of too late to do anything about the horrendous design as he calls it of the duck but the amount of movement that they got out of the animatronics was very good and the way he kind of explains it is he 
he got this animatronic character that was operating in the real, real world and starring in the movie. And this was before Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, another classic that I loved growing up as a kid, or other any big animatronic films came out. Some more that he's done that he's very proud of are Boss Richfield and Dinosaurs, Alf, Ralph, Jim, and Tim in Labyrinth, TikTok is mentioned in Return to Oz, and the best ever, according to him, the tiger and fierce creatures. He says that no one ever even knew that he was animatronic. He's also done some work with the Teletubbies, walking with dinosaurs, and we could just keep going on and on and on. He's loved every minute of what he's been doing, and he hopes to continue doing it for a long time. Also, on a side note, he's been told that he's one of the very few Star Wars guests who prints their name instead of gives it a big signature. He says there's two re reasons he does this. The first is that he is left-handed and his cursive looks kind of like chicken scratch. The second is he personally hates it when people show him a photo that they've paid for and you can't even tell who signed it. So there you go. If you see him at a booth, you want his autograph, you know that you're going to be able to tell that, hey, Tim Rose signed this. Well, D-Heads, that's all I have on Tim Rose for this week. It's great to see that he's been doing what he's loved doing ever since college and we look forward to seeing more of his work in movies tv shows what have you in the near future and hopefully for a very very long time it's been fun if you have any questions or comments don't hesitate to email me at cody c-o-d-y at disradio.com i'll see you next week d heads and get ready tim rose is coming up with jonathan right after this does have a strong defense mechanism. It is protected by an energy shield which is generated from the nearby forest moon of Endor. The shield must be deactivated if any attack is to be attempted. Once the shield is down, our cruisers will create a perimeter while the fighters fly into the superstructure and attempt to knock out the main reactor. General Calrissian has volunteered to lead the fighter attack. Good luck. You're gonna need it. General Nadine. Oh crap! Prepare to jump into hyperspace on my mark. Take a base of action. Green goo, step across the holding sector and each other. Admiral, we have enemy ships in sector 27. It's a trap! Home one, this is goal leader. It's all right. All crap prepared or retreat. You won't get another chance at this, Admiral. We have no choice, General Calrissian. Our cruisers can't repel firepower of that magnitude. At that close range, we won't last long against those Star Destroyers.
The shield is down! Commence attack on the Death Star's main reactor! You've got to give those fighters more time! Concentrate all fire on that Superstar Destroyer! Move the fleet away from the Death Star! And this is Starkiller Base. So, it's big. How is it possible to power a weapon of that size? Our system is the next target. There is one. Precinct 47. They have defensive shields that our ships cannot penetrate. May the Force be with us. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And with us here this week, as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones that are involved with some of the classics that you know and love. They're ones that you have passed on to generations and even to your children. And with us here this week is somebody that's been involved with everything from Return of the Jedi, the Dark Crystal, Howard the Duck, you name it. We have none other than Admiral Akbar himself. Tim Rowe is here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. It's very nice to be here. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody with your resume, so many different projects that you have worked on over the years that have played roles in everybody's lives. I guess to start it off, what led you down this road in this career in Hollywood? Oh, no. There is a big question in itself. That takes a while. Um, I, I started off when I was trying to decide what I wanted to be when I grew up. I got interested in graphic art. So I started the University for Graphics Art. Um, I got involved with the local theater when I was there as well. And they started doing Renaissance fairs. And when I researched Renaissance fairs, I kept coming up with Punch and Judy shows. So one day, out of nowhere, I thought, wouldn't it be funny to do a Punch and Judy show? And in my effort to learn how to do it, I met an old couple. They were the Herrick Marionettes. They were the mom and pop team that used to come to my school when I was a kid and do marionette shows and they lived near me so I knocked on their door and said could you teach me how to make a puppet and they took me down to their cellar where their workshop was and they had on the wall marionettes that went all the way back to the 20s from the vaudeville days and I instantly fell in love and said I want to do this for a living. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and it's the kind of thing where, you know, it is one of those things that just sticks with you throughout your whole life. And of course, it's been fruitful for you. I mean, you've done so many different things. I guess with that, you know, looking back at your career and all the different stuff you worked on, let's just, you know, right away, we'll get Star Wars out of the way. Uh, I guess, how was it being part of, you know, Return of the Jedi? Of course, you know, coming back with, uh, you know, doing Salacious Crumb at one point. Did you ever realize that Star Wars was going to be as big as it is? No, most people get asked that question say, I was just doing the next job at the time. <laughs> it was certainly, for me, it was one of the most um, very enjoyable jobs because I was just the right age that when the original Star Wars came out and it made such a, a huge change in everybody's life because nothing had been done quite like that before. Um, myself and my buddies just sat in the cinema seats pretending we were flying X-Wings and by the time Return of the Jedi came out, I was in the movie. I was walking past the Millennium Falcon on the way to my own spaceship. So <laughs> I'm getting paid for it at the same time. <laughs> 
So as a young guy, that didn't get too much better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and with, you know, the role of Admiral Akbar, of course, he's gone on to cult legendary Star Wars status. Uh, are you ever look back and you're like, wow, he, he is huge. I mean, he is one of those that everybody loves. Everybody, he has his own cult following and of course made that return in Force Awakens. Um, does it ever catch you off guard how important this character is and how many people love him? Yeah, I, um, I, I, last 10 years I've been doing quite a few conventions. And I do try to ask them why they think <laughs> he's such a popular character because I'm not really sure why myself. I mean, he, he's definitely he's a very alien-looking character, yet he somehow um, is very, very warm or human to the people. <laughs> and I, I, I asked a young, because a, a lot of kids, you know, they, they first got introduced to Akbar as children. And I asked this one girl um, why she liked Akbar so much. And she said, well, he just has such big eyes. And but that's true, because working at the Muppets, if you wanted to make an endearing character, the first thing you would do is try and give him large eyes, you know, give, make him look um, young and childlike. So even though he's an alien, I think his eyes are quite quite warm and friendly. And, of course, I spent a long time, I, I um, was highly involved in building Akbar as well as performing him. So I spent a long time getting the eye focus right because um, Jim Henson was very keen on the magic triangle, which was the points between the eye focus and the bridge of the nose, and that controlled the character, and you could tell what he was thinking by how you controlled that tri triangle. But I'm getting into involved things there, so I'll shut up. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and he went on, like you know, like I said, you know, so many people love him, like you said. And if you've been doing so many conventions and whatnot over the last couple of years as well, um, do you ever get those over-the-top fans where you're like, wow, that is uh, one uh, iconic Akbar fan there? <laughs> well, I did have um, – there, there was a young boy that came in, and he had a um, um, one of the learning difficulties, you know, the – people sometimes have now but although he had this learning difficulty he stood in front of me and did Akbar's entire dialogue from the movie and I looked at him and I said do you realize when I was doing it I had to have cheat sheets all over the place because I couldn't remember my own lines <laughs> so I said if this is a difficulty you should stick with it <laughs> you know, so. but um no I think for the most part I mean, I saw before I did any conventions. I saw the film Galaxy Quest, and um, they deal with people who go to conventions like they're all super nerd, crazy, scary people. And when I started doing conventions, I realized that these are actually very normal people. They're bankers, lawyers, everything else, every other job in the world. They just happen to like collecting Star Wars items instead of going fishing or whatever. You know, it just is what they do. So definitely. Well, you know, and it is it is an entirely different universe when you're at the conventions and, you know, moving away from Star Wars, you've been part of so many other things. Uh, you know, one of those is bringing, uh, you know, Frank Baum to life in Return to Oz with TikTok. And we just recently wrapped up speaking with uh, Ozma from that movie. And, you know, I guess what was it like bringing the character of TikTok to life? And, of course, tapping into this world of Oz that most people weren't familiar with. Um, It was wonderful working with Walter Murch. He was um, quite an amazing individual. And um, 
<laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of behind the scenes stories about that particular one, most of which I can't really talk about. But um, uh, TikTok, I I was um, put in charge of him. Uh, we did an early screen test with him, and I'd been given a whole list of things that TikTok needed to do. And in my process of trying to build him, I got some of the things working and some of the things didn't. And when the screen test come, I actually had to glue some of his mechanisms solidly so they wouldn't stop the other mechanisms from working. But when I did the screen test, because of my time with the Muppets, I did a full-on Muppet razzle-dazzle him in the performance. And they loved the performance and him coming alive so much, they didn't realize he wasn't doing what he was asked to do. And, of course, as soon as I got through with the screen test, I went back to the workshop and began rebuilding him. Whereupon my boss came in, and he saw me taking TikTok apart, and he went, what are you doing? You know, he was working great on the screen test. And I was really surprised that Lyle hadn't noticed that he wasn't working properly because he was the boss. And I said, but Lyle, he was only doing 50% of what we've been asked to make him do, you know, and I, I know what I did wrong the first time, and I'm going to rebuild him so he does everything right the second time. And Lyle then proceeded to accuse me of trying to pad out my part and not wanting to do any other creatures on the job, which wasn't true at all. And um, we ended up getting in a fight, and he wanted to get me taken off the production. And the producer listened to him and he listened to what I had to say about it and fortunately he believed me and he ended up setting me up in my own workshop separate from the animatronics department just to build TikTok because he was a rather major part of the characters in the movie so I'm, I'm very proud of what we achieved with him in the end <laughs> after his rebuild. <laughs> Well, you know, and these were characters that were, you know, completely different within the uh, Wizard of Oz universe that most people weren't aware of if they didn't read the series of books. Now, with TikTok, he is definitely one of those memorable characters. And like you said, there's probably a lot of stories that you can't share with us, um, you know, but when you saw the final product on screen, um, did it impress you? I mean, were you satisfied with that final film? Because it's gone down to be such a cult fan favorite to this day. Having read Walter's original script, I think that if we had been allowed, the, um, the, the powers that be got cold feet during pre-production on that and got nervous about this new director and how much money had been given to him and everything. And unfortunately, I got to read the original script and I got to see the original locations. It was meant to be in a location film. And... I, I believe that the characters that we built were strong enough that if we had been allowed to take them out into the real world where they were meant to be seen. I, I'll give you an example. I, I went into the art department and I looked up on the wall and there was this photograph on there and I went, wow, where was that set from? I haven't seen that on the back lot. And they went, oh, that's not a set. That's a location in northern Italy. And it was so amazing so unreal that it was like something out of the land of Oz. <laughs> yet it was a real place so i believe that if we could have taken our characters and put them on these places that really existed we would have created something that could have stood 
head to head with the original Wizard of Oz and would have been watched just as much as the original had ever been done. But <laughs> we created something that's still very enjoyable to watch. Definitely. I mean, it's the kind of thing, too, like you said, it's, you know, you had to change directions and you had to make it a little bit different. But like you said, it does stand the test of time today where generations are enjoying this film. And, you know, with that changing directions and something completely different, definitely not geared towards the children and Howard the Duck. Everybody loves Howard the Duck. The the music even in that film sticks out with me today. What was it like? bringing Howard to Duck to life, and what were your initial thoughts of this definitely unique, different character? <laughs> You're determined to get me in trouble today, aren't you? <laughs> There's a wonderful story I can't tell about that one. but <laughs> um, So we moved on to Howard the Duck. We're not talking about Return Pass. Okay. Um, they had been working in pre-production on Howard the Duck for about seven months, and uh, George was very unhappy that they hadn't achieved a duck that could do the performance. So he went to Phil Tippett and he said, Phil, what can we do about this? And Phil said, well, you need somebody like the guy who was helping me on Return, to, or Return of the Jedi, uh, Tim Rose. You know, he did such a good job with Akbar. So I said, oh, Tim Rose, where's Tim Rose? And Tim Rose was back in England. <laughs> so... Uh, they contacted me over in England and asked me if I'd like to come work on it. And I was very excited about it because unlike most of our animatronic work that we do in this movie, Howard the Duck was effectively the leading man. He, he was the Sean Connery of the movie, wasn't he? And um, so the chance to be involved with that was very exciting. And when I got over there, I was taken over with myself and another guy, Tadeusz Szanowski. He was a Polish guy that worked with me in England doing animatronics. But we had, I think it was three or four weeks to come up with a fully working duck <laughs> that could stand up and not break down for the length of the shooting. So to say that it was a difficult job <laughs> would be an extreme understatement. Um, my entire crew had been hired by my predecessor, who, unbeknownst to me, I thought I was working with this other person. And when I started working, a week after I started working there, the other person got fired the entire crew thought that they got fired because I had instigated their firing when I had had nothing to do with it whatsoever. So I now had three weeks to build a working duck with an entire crew that thought I'd fired their boss that they all loved. Imagine what fun I was having by this point. <laughs> but we got there and we did it. And um, as, as I quite often say, um, Howard the Duck was the hardest job that I ever had in my life and the one that I was also the most proud of. And I, although my, my main disagreement with the director, I had been sent the comic books of Howard and to be introduced to the character and fell in love with the comic books. And when I got there, the duck that I saw looked nothing like the comic books. So I tried to convince him to let me build a duck that was closer to his core audience, which were going to be the comic book fans, so we didn't upset them. 
And at that time, because we hadn't had Roger Rabbit yet, we hadn't had these other films, he didn't believe that a cartoon character would work in a movie. And hence why Howard had been more humanized, more humanoid, I think was his description of him. So I worked with what I was given and just made him move as well as possible. And no matter what you think of the way the duck looks, I think that every single shot in the movie, we kept him alive. And that that's, that's animatronics. That's what we do. <laughs> but I'm very proud of the fact that I was able to keep him alive in every single shot all the way through the film. Well, you know, definitely. And like you said, you know, keep him alive. He's the lead star. And that film, um, no matter what, has such a, you know, much, much like much of the films that you've worked on. It, he has such a cult fan following, and it is very different than the comics. The comics are raw, gritty, completely different, but everybody seems to love Howard. And are you ever taken back sometimes, and you look back and you're like, wow, people still remember this movie from the 80s, even today? Well, Howard rose from the ashes. <laughs> I mean, when the movie came out over in England, Barry Norman said, Howard the Duck, Howard the Turkey, more like, and it stayed in the cinema for one week. Nobody saw it. And then it became, people would come up to me, and they'd bought the VHS just to show their kids at home, and they almost felt like they had to apologize because they had enjoyed the movie. <laughs> it's like, we were told we shouldn't like this film, so we don't, but actually I watched it with my kids, and I did. <laughs> But the biggest one, I'm doing the conventions one again. once again. I was doing a convention in Sweden, and the guy came up to me, and he was looking at my little display of pictures on the table, and he said, where are your Howard the Duck pictures? And I said, why would I do that? Nobody remembers Howard the Duck. And he said, oh, are you joking? In Sweden, Howard the Duck is his biggest Star Wars. <laughs> because for some reason, in Sweden, it just tickled their funny bone. <laughs> So at that point, I started putting the pictures out on the table and getting more of these people. It was, like I said, it was a thing where it was almost a, um, a confession, you know, <laughs> going into the confession booth that you had to admit that you enjoyed this film, you know. But I, I was really happy about that because people were looking past the superficial and actually getting into seeing just how much we had put into it. So. Howard the Duck has gone on, you know, here in the United States even, has gone on to have such a cult fan following, as well as, like I said, many of your films, because you have been, you know, blessed to touch so many different films. And, of course, one of those is, you know, a fan favorite of my own that I've passed on to my own children, and The Dark Crystal. Uh, what was it like being part of this film that definitely was far ahead of its time in terms of story concept and different than your standard, you know, Muppets and puppets. And, uh, you know, it was completely different. Uh, what, what did you think of the initial story and working on this film? Well, it was, um, the most luxurious movie you ever had the chance to work on. Um, it, it was Jim's dream his his fantasy to be able to do a movie without, any people in it. And in 1981, except for Disney's cartoons, there was no such thing you know, as a movie that was an entirely animatronic characters without any people. And animatronics at that time were usually 
something cute and cuddly that sat on a wall or looked around the corner or whatever, but, you know, definitely wasn't center stage to a whole movie. And because he wanted it to be so perfect, it had a four-year pre-production, which I can't think of any other movie that's ever had that before or since. And we got the chance to not just make the stuff once, but to make it, watch it on camera, see what was good and what was bad, and then make it a second time and even sometimes make it a third time, just so it could all be as good as it could possibly be. Uh, because it had cost so much money because of this <coughs> huge pre-production, when it released, obviously, it didn't make its money back. You know, producers, as far as they're concerned, if a film doesn't make its money back in the first three weeks, then it's a flop. But it's a movie which I truly think has, maybe because it doesn't have any human characters in it, it it's remained timeless. It's of its own, <laughs> it's of its own world you know it doesn't exist in any other world so therefore it doesn't have any specific time to it and i think that's what allows it to just go on and on and on and hopefully the fact that we did such a good job of bringing all those uh, stuffed bits of cloth to life <laughs> well you know and like you said for the time that this film came out it was something different unique and it's gone on to you know again gain this fan following now with that from all the different things you've been part of dark crystal return of the jedi return to oz howard the duck i mean so many different things you've been part of labyrinth <laughs> oh yeah that's where i was heading up to next <laughs> poster there next to david bowie so i um that's why i keep that one up but that's that's uh that's right the direction where i was going to be going into the oh. labyrinth so uh Definitely. Well, I mean, everybody wants to go into the pits of the labyrinth. And, you know, of course, with Jareth and everybody else, you know, it's a world that we would all love to just it would make a great theme park. I'll say that much. Um, you know, with that film, uh, you know, with, of course, the late David Bowie now and all those items. What was it like working on this fantasy film that, you know, 80s was a time of fantasy and wonder with practical effects. And Labyrinth is a true testament to that. I uh... I was extremely fortunate in my career that I was on the, I got to ride on the crest of the wave for animatronics. <laughs> um, Jim, from the from the time Kermit rode his bicycle in the very first Muppet movie, Jim just kept coming to us and saying, what can we do next? What can we do next? And if you could think it up, he'd give you the time and the budget to try and build it. <laughs> So each one of the films was taking everything we had learned up to that point from the one before and thinking, you know, while I was doing that, I had this good idea I think we could do. <laughs> and um, it just kept rolling forward like that. We were always trying to make things better, always trying to make things more real, more believable. And uh, the Labyrinth was definitely a chance to do that. It one of the things that I point out the labyrinth was even even at the Muppets, um, as things started getting too expensive, <laughs> in an effort to try and cut down on costs, one of the things I did was they started bringing in computers on the performance and trying to get one performer to operate more of the character. And what I mean by that, um, take a character like Hoggle in the labyrinth. Hoggle was performed by 
four different people, five, five, I think it was five, five performers to bring Hoggle alive because at that time we were using a lot of radio control, but because of the way we operated the radio control, we had to give one person control of the eyes and the eyebrows, another person control of the mouth, another person control of the cheeks. There was a person in the costume and it went that way. And what would happen, you would start off um, practicing with the character by the numbers. When I say this, we want the eyes to blink or look over there or do something. But as you perform longer, everybody intuitively understood their part of the finished creature. And at that point, these characters would truly come alive. The person doing the voice, um, it was Brian Henson in the case of Hoggle, uh, the person doing the voice could ad lib and everybody else helping to bring the character alive was right there in time with it and the character totally lived on set. <coughs> and that's a, it's a very magical moment and I think it's what part of what makes these characters have, have such longevity because you can still see that magic even in the film. It's twice as magic when you're right there with them, but <laughs> it does translate through to the movie as well. And those characters were the last ones where that was totally happening, where it was the combination of five different people working as one. And after that, we started getting into pre-programs. And I suppose a lot of the audience don't see it, but I could see it. I could instantly see program number three being operated, program number five. Whereas originally when it was five people operating it, it was always only program number one, the original. <laughs> and I, I think that's what makes them, that's why those characters were as amazing as they were. Well, definitely, you know, and it's like you said, they carry on and they're memorable and they're magical and they come to life. So when you're watching these films, they truly are, you know, you don't look at Hoggle as this, you know, a creature that's being, you know, puppeteered and created. No, you see Hoggle as Hoggle and you remember it as that, which then is a testament to the work that all of you are doing all the time with animatronics and puppetry. And I guess, you know, we don't want to keep you too long here, but of course... Compliment. Always when the director starts directing the character. You, you know you've brought him alive when the director's talking to him instead of you. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing, too, where, you know, like I said, it, they do carry on. And with that carrying on, and everybody was happy to see Admiral back for Star Wars The Force Awakens, um, you know, and do you have anything up and coming in the next, you know, year or so where we're going to be able to see you, see works that you've been working on? And, of course, the one question everyone wants to know is, Admiral going to be back for Episode Eight? I wouldn't know. Couldn't possibly say anything about any of that. <laughs> see, always the best. The best political answer that you can give. I don't know. <laughs> uh, people did see, actually, quite a bit of my animatronic work quite recently. Um, my friend Paul, uh, Paul Zerden is a ventriloquist. And he went and auditioned for America's Got Talent and won this year's America's Got Talent. And I was very proud of the fact that every single one of his performances, which are all on YouTube if you want to look at them, everyone had an animatronic that I had built for him. <laughs> 
you know, in looking back at your career, um, like I said, we don't want to keep you too long here, but in looking back at your career, uh, I guess, is there anything that you'd like to leave out there for all the fans of Tim, all the people that you've touched in their lives where making this movie magic happen, and even people like myself where I pass it on to my four children, is there anything you'd like to leave out there for all of those fans that meet you at conventions, watch you, you know, watch anything that you've created over the years, even anything upcoming? I, I, I hit my midlife crisis. I am 59 now. And I was going through the, why didn't I listen to my mother and become an architect like she wanted me to? And um, computer graphics at the time. Ten, ten, we've, we've had a little bit of rebirth. And I, I do greatly thank the uh, Star Wars people and everything because animatronics has gotten a resurgence and a reinterest through the Star Wars. But 10 years ago, it looked like I was not going to make it to my own retirement still employed <laughs> as computer graphics had taken over so much of everything. So I was feeling very sorry for myself. And at the conventions, it was it was meeting. Oh, I always get choked up when I talk about this. It, it was meeting the fans and um, realizing how important the stuff I had done was. <laughs> and that's better than earning money, isn't it? So. Well, you know, and it truly is very important because you played a part in, you know, my childhood growing up, me being 40 years old. You know, you played a part in everything with me growing up, and I've passed down all of these to my children as well. And they would choose to watch any of your movies over many of the new ones any day. So that's a testament to your work and anything that you've worked on in your entire career. And hopefully will inspire them to make even better things in the future. Definitely. Well, you know, Tim, it was our pleasure having you stop in, chat with us, take this trip through your entire career memory lane. And I know all of your fans are going to be looking on the horizon for anything new you have coming up and possibly, hopefully, seeing Admiral back for Episode 8 and so much more. So thank you once again for stopping in. All right. We'll cross our fingers and see what happens. <laughs>
TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets and Dark Crystal. Oh! Here you go with a head like that. Hmm? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. <laughs> Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible, and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. The world of Labyrinth. Hey, this is Mark Mosley, but you may know me as Disney's voice of Mushu the Dragon, and you're listening to Disney on Demand. Oh. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault, where a double-decker bus isn't always meant for sightseeing. Oh look, kids, Big Ben. Imagination and puppeteering have been running rampant upstairs in the Disney On Demand studios, and it has flourished down here in the vault. If you put pieces together and understand where we're going, Muppets, music, and mayhem will always take shape down here in the vault. From upstairs, with people like Admiral Akbar and our silly Muppets, to even down here with the creatures of the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. Yes, anything is possible, and everything is magical. So in order to make things a little lighter this week, I'm going to go and join our Muppeting friends on a whirlwind adventure in actually my all-time favorite Muppet movie, the 1981 smash hit, The Great Muppet Caper. What a fantastic beginning! Nothing looks better than the world from a hot air balloon. And our three reporters from the Daily Chronicle would know best. Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo. This is the greatest way to start one of the greatest movies of all time. Okay, well, maybe not of all time, but of Muppet kind. It seems that nothing can stop these intrepid reporters, including identical twins, Kermit and Fozzie. I bet you didn't know they were related. While taking photos of chickens, of course Gonzo would be taking photos of chickens. I'm sure Camilla would appreciate it. Prominent London fashion designer Lady Holiday, played by the brilliant Diana Riggs, is robbed. So it is now up to our trio to investigate and discover the thief of Lady Holiday's jewels. Well, they do have to kind of work for this job, considering their supervisor is a little bit upset. 
It seems that the main story for them was that Fozzie and Kermit now joined the Daily Chronicle, as opposed to what was really going on. So in order to gain favor, they must do this deed, and do it right. So off they go to London, where they'll be able to interview her. The only problem is, they're strapped for cash. $12 only. So how are these world-renowned reporters to get to London? It seems that baggage claim works just fine. Oh, and getting the right flight might have helped as well. They are thrown out of the plane over London, as opposed to just landing. Again, still short on cash, they must find a place to stay while they're there. Thank goodness for the Happiness Hotel. Think of it as the Holiday Inn for Muppets, except without the Holodome. Here's where all of your favorite Muppet buddies are going to join in. The hotel is run by Pops, and it is, of course, run by Scooter, Rolf, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, Swedish Chef, Rizzo, and Sam the Eagle. So, they've made it to London, they have a place to stay, now it's time to investigate. That's when Kermit actually goes to find Lady Holiday, but instead meets up with the elusive Miss Piggy. And with all her charm and charisma, he believes she's a fashion designer as well. But in actuality, she's really interviewing for a job. And to continue this charade, she goes as far as to sneak into Lady Holiday's apartment just so that she can impress Kermit. Can you not see how much these two go through in order to show each other's love? Now granted, we did have the Muppet movie a few years prior. Don't you think they would have remembered one another? Those two are unmistakable. Lady Holiday's luck continues to go south. It seems that her jealous brother, Nicky, played by the talk show great and legend Charles Grodin, has stolen her precious necklace. And his assistants, Carla, Marla, and Darla, are actually the thieves that helped him prior. You know, at the beginning of the film. It's because of this next robbery that Piggy's charade is uncovered. Heartbroken and devastated, what is Kermit to do? The only thing that he does know, when it comes to Piggy at least, and that's to forgive her. But now, Piggy has a bigger challenge in front of her. Nikki now has the hots for her. No one can resist the attraction of Miss Piggy. Some may say it's the bacon. But Nikki uses this to his advantage and frames Piggy as the thief. And while distracting the authorities with Piggy, Nikki decides it's time for the greatest and most challenging theft of all to take the fabulous baseball diamond, which is on display in a local art gallery. Thankfully, Gonzo's nearby and overhears the entire thing. It's now up to Kermit and the gang to catch the thieves and free Miss Piggy. As good comedy would have it, the good guys and the bad guys both arrive at the Mallory Gallery. Get it, Mallory Gallery? I love when the Muppets do things like this. And it's now time to save the day. While all this is going on, Piggy, who has been incarcerated, escapes from prison, finds a motorcycle, and crashes into the gallery's window. In her attempts to save everyone, she knocks out Nikki, frees Kermit, who is hostage, and confronts Carla, Marla, and Darla. And she defeats them the only way she knows how, with a few karate chops. It's no movie without Miss Piggy getting down and dirty. The local authorities arrive, see Piggy, and actually 
drop all the charges. Well, due to the fact that they are arresting Nikki and the three models. So I guess she does have her rights. And the Muppets, well, they get the credit they deserve for saving the day once again. Who doesn't love a good Muppet movie? The Muppets have always touched our life in one way or another, be it through the television show, both old and new, which by the way, have you not watched this last season? The second part really caught up. I have a feeling season two is going to be great. We've also seen them in cartoon form as well via the Muppet Babies, but the Muppets have always brought a smile and joy to our life. And the Muppets have been no stranger to us here at Disney On Demand. Come join Paige back on episode 141. And of course, I've touched base with the Muppets on show 134. So if you need more of a Muppet fix, we've got it here for you. And check them out on our past shows. So now that you know the great Muppet caper, now it's time to get into the details of the great Blu-ray that is out there for you to enjoy in your home. Yes, there have been a few copies on DVD, but the latest incarnation has been a two-pack on Blu-ray with Muppet Treasure Island. Something I can't quite understand why they chose to put those two together. You would have thought that they would have put it together with Muppets Take Manhattan, but that's my personal thought. So first and foremost, the video quality of this movie. If you can believe it, the Great Muppet Caper was almost 30 years ago and still looks great when it is brought to the small screen. It has decently been brought back to us in 5.1 audio. Granted, it is an older film, so some of the audio portions of it are harder to bring back, but it is wonderful to look at this film and say, gee, it is an older film, but it is still in pristine quality. As I said, the audio has been remastered, but it has been tweaked just a bit. Now, of course, let's get to my favorite, the extras. They always sucker me into buying a new copy of something. But when you get this copy, again, it is of Pirates and Pigs copy. You get more with the Muppet Treasure Island side than you do with the Great Muppet Caper. You do get the audio commentary for it with Brian Henson, which is a joy in itself. He is joined by Gonzo and Rizzo through this entire thing. The tale of the story beyond the tale, hosted by Gonzo and Rizzo as they try to explain the key moments and the key members to the cast and crew of this new film. A music video of Let the Good Shine Out with Kermit, and a froggy Yoki version where you can sing along with the song Cabin Fever. Again, that's all for Muppet Treasure Island. Here's the great things you're going to get with The Great Muppet Caper. A froggy Oki in HD of the song Steppin' Out With A Star and Happiness Hotel. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. I was hoping so greatly for some commentary, some behind the scenes, some great extra features that really would help bring this innovative film to life. Once again, we're seeing puppetry without people. Let's take a look at the park scene and many other scenes within the Happiness Hotel. Jim Henson went out of his way to not only look at puppeteering as a life form, 
but as a means of art, and he always went one step beyond. From his early beginnings on television, to Sesame Street, to The Muppet Show, to all of the Muppet movies, even to the point where we are today in the show The Muppets. Yes, Jim is no longer with us, but the Henson Company, along with Walt Disney, has really propelled the art form into life form. And I think that's what's so appealing to the Muppets even today. So I'm going to file this one under B for Big Ben, and we will see you again Monday for a new Monday movie memory. What am I going to pull out of this fine film to bring to you? Hmm, hard to tell because there's a lot of fun that I'd like to share with you. And then, of course, come back next week where I will bring another new blue for you to view here in the vault. You can always keep in contact with us here on the D-Team. Head over to DizRadio.com, get all your information. And, of course, you can always email me, Jason at DizRadio.com. Let's talk movies. Let's talk Muppets. Let's talk life. And by life, I mean, you know, all things Disney. So until then, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is a rainbow connection away and always deep inside of you. A spectacular motion picture event. The one movie that's got it all. The Great Muppet Caper. Let's go for it. It's the story of a daring jewel heist. The target, Diana Rigg, as wealthy Lady Holiday. I feel as if thieves were breathing down my neck. Thieves aren't breathing down your neck. The culprit, Charles Grodin, as her dastardly brother. Why are you doing this? Because I'm a villain. And the prime suspect. I think I've got a picture of a thief. A beautiful young pig. It's Piggy Stone, my nickname. And now it's up to Kermit the Frog. We're about to embark on a potentially dangerous mission. Fozzie Bear. We don't want the bad guys to win. The Great Gonzo. I heard him planning to steal the baseball diamond. And a heroic band of party animals. We're going to have to catch those thieves red-handed. What color are their hands now? To save the day. There could be physical violence. There could be gunplay. And there's the slightest chance that somebody might even get killed. I'm out. It's Muppet action and adventure like you've never seen before. It is rather breathtaking, isn't it? All wrapped up in the wildest Muppet motion picture ever. Ah, you want excitement? Now you can own the great Muppet caper on video cassette. Need I say more? Oh, bright little star, though I'm light years away from her now, I can't help but to feel that somehow we're both wishing on you. I imagine your light in her eyes As she gazes up into the skies At this moment does she realize You are in my eyes too Oh bright little star Is she wishing the same wish as me That somewhere out in space there may be A nice planet for two Dancing under a star canopy And our favorite is you Someday, somewhere I will find her In the universe up above 
little star Watch and keep her till we meet again In the glow of a love without end Shining brightly like you do And every night As we gaze at your loving starlight We will know that when wishes are right They will always come true On Diz Radio, it's Brandy, giving you the latest news on Disney's multimedia. Brandy has you covered, giving you the latest news on what's happening at the Walt Disney Company. Now on DizRadio.com. Hey D-Heads, are you a fan of the Kingdom Heart video game series? Well, the most weighted video game release is now here for Android and iOS. Kingdom Hearts Unchained X is, has now been released for you for all to play. Although this game has already been released for the Japanese gamers since September 3rd, 2015, and as well a Japanese web browser version since July 18th, 2013. This game also includes two fun modes where you can play as yourself and bring your friends along to fight all those wonderful heartless enemies in the multiplayer mode. Kingdom Hearts Unchained is a prequel to the Kingdom Hearts series as a whole, taking place before the Keyblade War, the event which established the current organization of the Kingdom Hearts universe. The player assumes the role of a Keyblade welder who joins in one of the five fractions led by the Keyblade Masters, finding control of the limited light existing in the world. The game's plot is connected to Kingdom Hearts 3, the main next entry in the series. The title refers to the legendary X-Blade, a weapon central to the series' story arc. Kingdom Hearts Unchained X is a role-playing video game set in the universe of Kingdom Hearts, where players navigate different Disney-inspired worlds, defeating monsters known as the Heartless. Before beginning, Players can create their own characters, customizing their gender, hair, keyblade, clothing, and also fun accessories themed after both Square Enix and Disney Universe presented in the Kingdom Hearts series. Is there a game you would like me to review that I haven't covered already? Or some gaming tips you would like to share with the community? Be sure to have your name, town you live in, and state so I can give you the credit. You can send me an email at randy at disradio.com. The email, again, is r-a-n-d-y at disradio, d-i-z-r-a-d-i-o dot com. Well, this is Randy signing out for Disney Multimedia. Be sure to keep your eyes, ears, and senses alerted with the latest Disney Multimedia around you. Until then, see you next time. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand. Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. 
lots of fun things, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the legendary, the iconic, Tim Rose for stopping in here with all of us D-heads. That's right, Tim, you have played a part in so many people's lives from all the different films that you've been part of, many of which I grew up with and I'm passing on to my children, and I know many of our listeners do as well. So thank you, Tim, for stopping in, chatting with us, and also making the memories for all of us to enjoy for years to come. You truly made the magic happen. You made the magic for all of us, and that was something special for all of us to enjoy. Here's to the future and many more years of seeing you on the big screen, the small screen, and so much more. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Caitlin, Nathan, Jason, Randy, and Cody, all for stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without you, there would be no show. The D-team makes the show. Otherwise, I say it every single week. You'd have nothing else than to listen to me ramble week in and week out. So thank you, D-team, for stopping in. And remember, connect up with the D-team on our official website at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z radio.com and finally most of all the most important with our sixth anniversary that just happened thank you the d-heads you are the reason we are still here six years later bringing you the magic and memories from your lifetime of disney you are the reason we continue to come with all these special guests take you down that trip of that lifetime of disney and make it memorable so thank you the d-heads for tuning in every single week spreading the word and keeping the magic alive here at the show we truly are honored to bring this show to you every single week so all vd heads with that said before i clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in here next week and it's definitely a fun one i do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show and first and foremost you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com that's d-i-z radio There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, Mimi's, latest news feeds, our Lifetime of Disney player, the D-Team, and so much more. Right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect up with us all over social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can join our DizWire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky little show. And remember, you can find all of these links and more on our official website at DizRadio.com. DIZRadio.com. And finally, if you want to stay connected and get the magic in your ears instantly when it gets released, all you have to do is go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Simple as that. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher Radio, search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, or Diz Radio, and all of them are going to get you there. You can subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released for you to enjoy and have the magic right there in your ears on your Android, your tablet, your iPhone, you name it. Get it right there as it's released for all of you to enjoy. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, next week it is a fun show. It is something that, you know, when you go to a magical place, a place that's, you know, definitely something that's a bit of a utopia, but with animals. I think we might head over to, you know, something that's kind of in that realm. A utopia full of clothed animals. I'm going to leave it at that, all of you D-Heads. So until next week, as I always say, it's time to slow down, take that time, And never neglect family for business because family is the most important thing that you're going to have in your life. So make it special. Like I always say, I'll repeat it once more. Never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, have a fantastic and magical weekend. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and 
Imagine could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response, it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us. We escaped from that gas. The Met Jar Jar and Boss Nass. We took a bongo from the scene and we went to feed to see the Queen. We all wound up on tattooing. That's where we found this boy. Oh my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye, saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Did you know this junkyard slave isn't even old enough to shave? But he can use the force, they say. Do you see him hitting on the queen? Though he's just nine and she's fourteen, yeah, he's probably gonna marry her someday. Like to stay. We all fought in that epic war, and it wasn't long at all before little Hotshot flew his plane and saved the day. And in the end, some Gungans died, 
Some ships blew up and some pilots fried. A lot of folks were croaking. The battle droids were broken. And the Jedi I admire most met up with Darth Maul, and now he's toast. Well, I'm still here, and he's a ghost. I guess I'll train this boy. And I was singing, my my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry, and he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye, saying, "Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi." We were singing, my my. Here, Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. He left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye, saying, "Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi." Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues Disney on Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney Company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.